It's me, Carla. And me, Phil. Welcome to season two of Terrifying and Twisted. Yeah, we've gone in with a season two. Had a bit of a break. Yeah. With a plan. Yeah, we wanted to bulk some stuff, didn't we? Yeah. And we've had a bit of a shit start to the year. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends passed away on New Year's Eve, so it's we've... been rough. And we wanted to record a few episodes so we could get them out consistently yeah because we've got quite a few things planned this year yeah. um we're away at some point and we know that we don't want to have any gaps this year do we We want to be consistent yeah and if you've listened to this podcast before you know that we aren't all singing and dancing there's, there's no frills there's no special sound effects I'm not telling you to fucking buy HelloFresh or Oat Vegan. No, definitely not. It's just me and wife on fishing chairs. With us brew. Talking about people who do fucked up shit. Yeah. I hope everyone's been alright. We have watched so much good stuff lately. Yeah, it's always good for TV is beginning of the year. It is. So I, I have got quite a big list, but I'll just reel a few off. Right, so first on list of TV recommendations is A Girl Before that we watched on BBC iPlayer. 7 out of 10, worth a watch. Next one we got were Times Square Murder, Murderer on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, that were, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That were quite unusual because we didn't know about it, did we? Yeah. Uh, obviously, over Christmas, beginning of January, we watched as darts, World Always. Championships. Peter Wright won. It's not who we wanted to win, but we still really enjoyed tournament. We always enjoy tournament anyway. Uh, next was the 24 hours in police custody with the baby. Oh, that was horrific. That were on Channel 4. So check that out. Uh, next, Stay Close on Netflix. I think it's that Harlan Coburn, Stay Close. What do you think? I'm trying to figure out what, what, what happened in it. <laughs> it's uh, the woman who were killing the, the men. Oh, well, I've kind of just... Uh, Fucking hell. Anyway, check it out. Uh, next one we watched was Anne, that were about the Justice for 96 yeah. on ITV. Brilliant. And next one, really quickly, Four Lives on BBC. That are... That How is... can you say quickly? Because I'm... Out of I've, all I've, your... I've got so many. Yeah, but out of all that list you're, you've already read out... That one, I would have thought... Get off me back. Grow up. <laughs> it so, was really good. Four lives, go watch it. Yeah, it's about the grinder killer. I think you called Stephen Port. That yep. seems to ring out. It's got Stephen Merchant in. If you don't like Stephen Merchant, watch it anyway because he's absolutely brilliant. Definitely. And the last one that I'll do... Is uh, the tourist on BBC iPlayer? Yeah, we enjoyed that, didn't we? Absolutely brilliant. It's about a man who wakes up with amnesia in 
like rural Australia. Really rural. Yeah, but it is quirky, it's funny, it's it's really good. So I have got some more, but I don't want to witter on. You know, you haven't waited this long to hear me fucking witter on about what watching on telly. All right. We have had quite a few people message, though, asking where we are. Yeah. Where the fuck are you? We're here. We haven't disappeared. We're here. Um, it's my turn first, isn't it? Yeah. For episode one of season two. Right. I've not even asked if you know this one yet. I was just about to ask what it is. It's called The Selfie Killer. And the killer is Amanda Taylor. No. Nope. No. That's always good. So, before I go into this, right, I'm not going to lie to you, I was scrolling Facebook and I came across this picture and it was of this Amanda Taylor. And I stopped at it because at first glance it looked like someone I went to school with or friends with, right? Until I started reading the caption with it. And fuck me, this girl, I'll show you a picture when I finished. Can What's the other lady called? There's loads of documentaries we've watched before. She, the famous picture with a knife, what was she called? Oh, God. You know who I mean, don't you? She was fucking nuts. Yeah, she's uh, one of the few women to get life sentence where they don't come out of prison. Yeah. Well, you know, anyway, her picture... Yeah, where uh, a tongue sticking out. And it's just a very distinctive, famous picture for that person. Yeah. Well, this is sort of what... This is as soon as I started looking. Joanne Dennehy. That's her name. I fucking remembered. Um, but this, it, it gripped me like that, and I'll show you pictures after. Um, but this case is the selfie killer, and it's about a lady called Amanda Taylor. Now, there's very, very little background information, which drives me mad. But Amanda Taylor, she was 26 at the time of committing a crime. Um, she grew up in Florida with her mum, Miranda. Now, according to Amanda, even though her dad were in prison when growing up, she had a really, really good relationship with him. They always had communication. She went and visited him, letters, phone calls, whatever. And they had a really good relationship. She had a really good upbringing with really good family and friends. She had one best friend called Maria, and she knew her since they were really young. Now, she did say that Amanda basically had anything and everything that she needed as a kid. She didn't want for her. No. Her mum said that she did have a few anger issues growing up, but other than that, she was a really good kid. Now, I did find conflicting info because her uncle, Matthew, basically said that Amanda ended up going to live with him when she were 11 um, because <clears throat> Amanda's mum was struggling with an addiction. So he stepped in, took Amanda, and she went to live with him in Virginia. So she started a new high school, and this is where she then met a future husband, Rex, and they were 13. Rex were in a band, he was this really popular lad, all girls fancied him, but Amanda ended up in a relationship with him. And according to all her friends and family, they were instantly in love and became inseparable straight away they basically shared the same love of horror films true crime and serial killers like no, a lot of people no now it is said that amanda and rex both struggled with depress with depression <laughs> from an from the early teens so 
When Amanda was 16, she fell pregnant with their first kid. She dropped out of school and became a full-time mum. They ended up having a son, who they called Damien. Damien. Yeah, they called him Damien. <laughs> now, apparently, both of them were really, really pleased about becoming parents. Um, Amanda's friends said they were really, really good. They'd do anything for him. And even though they were really young, they actually took to it really well. So, at some point, after having this child, their sort of love for murder and death, like, meg- would you say took hold? It went to a new level, let's say. It wasn't just... This, that's how it works, how... Yeah, we know levels, but <laughs> not everybody falls in that trap. We ain't gone down that rabbit oh, hole. No. Because you can enjoy some of... Uh... No, I don't know. I don't want to fucking sound weird, but, you know, people like true crime and murder and horror films and shit. Some people just fucking... Take it too far. Want more. Always wanting more. So anyway, it is said that at some point, after having the first child, that this love for death and murder and serial killers, like, proper took hold, and it, it, it went more... It went beyond... Just a hobby. One of the friends called Johnny basically said that their love connection was bonded in a lust for blood, a fetish for murder and a fantasy of serial killers. So it got to a point where even the mates were saying, this is getting a bit weird now. You need to take it down a notch, like... You need to stop. So, like I said, there's loads of people that enjoy true crime. We enjoy... We watch more true crime than any other sort of things, I, I would say. We enjoy it, but... I won't get you to dress up as Myra Inley. That's fucking sick. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Phil. They ended up writing to serial killers in prison. And, again, a lot of people do. And, can I call them friends? Pen pals. They became, yeah. um, With people like Richard Ramirez and Paul Runge. He's another American serial killer. Do you know his story? No. Right, well, I'll but save I'm that just, one. I'm just amazed that there were pen pals with Richard Ramirez. Yeah, there's mm. evidence to back this up as well. There's copied of, copies of letters. Anyway, I'll get into that. When I were doing this, I could not get... I can, I can understand people enjoying true crime. And I can understand people wanting to understand the minds of serial killers and things. But what I don't understand is how two people that our parents that are responsible for a young child would allow these serial killers to be part of their life, to bring them into their life to the point where you've got Richard Ramirez sending your children birthday cards and Christmas cards and drawings. Well, he never fucking sent me any birthday cards. Fucking good. But do you know what I mean? As a parent, you're bringing that sort of person into your life. It's over the line. Definitely. Now they actually said um, that Richard Ramirez. In my opinion, in your, just yeah. Say. Apparently, um, Amanda did say that Richard Ramirez was a sweetheart, and she actually enjoyed all birthday cards and communication. Of course, he was a fucking sweetheart. <laughs> he was the original fucking night stalker. Yep. This is a fucking bad, bad man. But anyway. So. Rex and Amanda also made no secret of their admiration for the Dark Knight gunman, James Holmes, 
who committed one of the deadliest mass shootings since... Come. Columbine. Yep. But yeah. Um, Have you seen a picture of him? Yeah. Yeah. He um, killed 77 people, didn't he? I did a bit of reading. But anyway, so yeah, they also liked your sort of gunmen mass shooting as well as your serial killers, right? Amanda actually said, and she said this in a live interview, that her and Rex had this fantasy on going on this natural-born killers sort of spree. You wouldn't know about that, though, would you, Carla? Grab up. You tried to watch that film and you couldn't Oh, fuck off. It's just not for me. (laughs) Some things are just not for me. So... Yeah, me will have a laugh about that. Of course he will. Oh, years too late, crispy. (laughs) So, like I said, they're interested, obviously, complete skyrocketed, and... I had a look about sort of what he said on a professional level of why. But all I could find, in my opinion, is you wanting to be in that... You want to be liked by that person. You want to feel like you're special to somebody that's committed these awful... Yeah. But because you would love to live out your fantasies by gaining that connection and being close... I just find it fucking mind-blowing that people go to that level after having such a normal sort of life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People are greedy. Always. In, in all senses. So if, like, you know, if you're on a high and you're chasing that high, you want more. So oh. it goes up a level. So Amanda said that her and Rex's relationship were actually quite toxic and mentally abusive on both parts, her as well as him. Um, Rex was actually an high-functioning drug addict and that all started from Rex's dad when he was quite young. Apparently, this caused a lot of problems in their relationship. Um, Amanda would get really angry that Rex just wouldn't get clean and stay clean, even for kids and stuff like that. Everybody that sort of knew him knew that they were constantly on and off due to him always being off his head, basically. At some point, Amanda got pregnant again with a second child. Now, apparently Rex knew he wasn't the dad, but still brought this child up because him and Amanda got back together. Angel daddy. Um, So they got back together, they've got these two children so in 2014 amanda and rex lived together in christenberg virginia with the two kids and rex's battle with depression just took a turn for worse and he reached out to his dad for help now charles rex's dad was also struggling with an addiction Now, this addiction took over because apparently his dad had a really bad accident at work and he was prescribed really strong painkillers. He ended up just addicted and it just spiralled out of control. Everybody said he were a really, really good man. Like, he were an hard-working man. Sad thing is it happens. Yeah, it does. Um, But yeah, he ended up in this addiction. So when Rex basically called his dad for help, he just ended up in this constant battles of being high because his dad would supply him with drugs 
at some point, social services got involved and Amanda ended up having to move back in with her mum and she took the kids with her so she could keep them. She said she begged Charlie to help Rex stay clean so he could basically pass this drug test. They could all be back at home as a family. But just four months after Rex moving back in with his dad in April, Rex ended up taking his own life in the August. He hung himself in shed and he was only 23 year old. Just a quick side note. Mm-hmm. Right, we're talking about anxiety and depression. Now, this is anxiety and depression is easy to talk about for a lot of people and it's not easy for me to talk about but people have it and people struggle with it. My friend that passed away was also struggling with anxiety and depression as of I and I'm still and other people I know. But the important thing is no matter how shit you feel and how rock bottom you are, there is someone that you can talk to and even if you have to message the terrifying and twisted page to talk to me, I will be anybody's last resort. You'd be quite a few people's first resort as well though, Phil, remember that. So I, I just wanted to say that as a side note. That's because... massive for you. But anyway, back to the story because I don't want to dwell well, on it. So unfortunately, Rex hung himself. And at the time of this happening, um, it was a son's first birthday. So she was posting happy pictures on a social media, the celebrating this birthday party. And then obviously she got this news about Rex, who, despite everything, you know, these two met when they were 13. They absolutely idolised each other. So regardless of it being on and off and whatever else, she loved him. Yeah. So she was absolutely distraught. Her mum and friends tried to keep a close eye on her, but she, she became obsessed with watching videos of people hanging themselves and it got that out of control that a mum and friends ended up basically taking full-time care at kids because she was just obsessed a life revolved around it she wants sleeping she wants eating was struggling all the social media what same the sort of things that she was posting you could see what kind of ed space she were in yeah now this is where Amanda's accomplice, Sean Ball, is going to come into play. She met Sean when she was 13. Um, they knew each other through school and stuff, but she hadn't actually spoken to him for over 10 years. And then out of the blue, he started renting a basement off one of her friends. Sean basically claimed to be ex-special forces. He told her that he'd killed people. He would tell Amanda stories in detail, but... He wasn't actually who he said he was. He just basically was desperate to get Amanda to, Amanda to like him. And she knew that that's the sort of thing that would impress her and draw her in. It was obvious to everybody around him that 
he liked her a lot more than she did him. And she was basically using him to her advantage. So on the anniversary of Rex's death, um, Amanda, her friends decided to take Amanda out for a bit to try and keep her mind off it. She decided she wanted to call his grave on the way home and apparently she completely lost it. She pulled a knife out and tried to slash her own throat. It took three of her friends to wrestle her and get the knife off her. As they managed to get her back in the car, she was still trying to jump out as they were driving away. So somebody had ranked police who then came and Amanda was admitted to St Alvin's Mental Hospital on suicide watch, which she clearly needed. Yeah. So Amanda said to staff that she needed the help, otherwise she was going to end up killing herself or somebody else. She blamed Charlie for Rex's death, saying he got him addicted to drugs in the first place and he's the reason Rex is now dead. She made no secret of these feelings and she was happy to tell anybody that had listened to her. After a few days in the hospital, she decided she ought to leave. But the only way that they would allow her to be discharged was if she was discharged into the care of a responsible adult. Her mum refused. Her best friend refused. They all believed that she was still a danger. And she needed... And she needed to understand that she needed medicating and she needed to accept that help. So she then decided to ring Sean. Yeah. And, of course, he dropped everything and went and picked her up. Everybody were fuming that he'd done this. Um, because, like I say, they all knew that she wasn't safe. So, together, they packed up a few bits and they left. Now, at this point, Amanda's grief for Rex had just turned into pure anger and she wanted revenge. So, she told Sean that she wanted to kill Charlie because he took the only thing that ever meant anything to her. And Sean, well, he says, all right, let's do it. They went straight to Rex's parents' house. They broke in, stole the guns. She decided that once she killed Charlie, she was going to go on this massive spree that her and Rex had spoke about and become this mass murderer. So on the 4th of April, 2015, Amanda and Sean drove to Charlie's house, who were 59 at the time. He lets them in, like a normal, any normal visit, but he then started bringing Rex into play, saying how much that he was missing him and everything else. And Amanda just lost it. She decided it was time that he was going to pay for what he did. So with a knife that Sean had bought for a gift, she stabbed him 31 times. He was screaming, but she just carried on stabbing him. Then Sean picked up a crowbar and hit him over the head. Once Charlie were dead, Amanda looked at the clock and it was 3.27, which she found fascinating and she will talk happily in all her interviews about it because this was her and Rex's shared birthday, which was the 27th of March. So she believed that this was Rex telling her that... This is the right thing to do. Yeah. And... She actually said that in that moment, she was the happiest and most alive that she has ever felt in her life. She wanted Charlie to feel the pain that she had. And despite all the drugs that she's ever dabbled in, 
this was the highest she has ever felt. But Amanda wasn't finished, so what she decided to do, with her hands and face absolutely covered in blood, she picked up a phone and took a selfie. Not only did she do that, but she then went and put that selfie on social media for everybody to see. So before they left, they decided to take any money they could get their hands on and they were going to go do this killing spree. Charlie's body were found at 9.30 by a neighbour that was stopping by to drop off some medication because upstairs is where Charlie's dad lived. He were old, he were ill. She immediately called police, um, who basically said, you know, I found him on the sofa, I can see blood, I don't think he's breathing. When police arrived, they couldn't believe the state that they walked into. It were an absolute, we should, there's pictures available to see. There's just fucking blood everywhere. Um, Charlie were basically laid in a pool of his own blood with his pyjamas on and blood just covered walls, floors, sofa, you name it. He still had his pyjamas on at 3.27? Yeah. <laughs> Lazy bastard. <laughs> Do you know that didn't even hit my head when I did this? <laughs> you and your quirky ways. It might have been working nights. There's always that. So obviously with um, Charlie's poorly dad upstairs, they'd not realised that. So he told police straight away that it were Amanda and another male, but he didn't, he'd never heard him, never seen him before. So obviously this massive statewide manhunt starts. They went on run where Amanda said she basically she febrized her clothes and filled up on fuel and just said, I'm heading towards North Carolina. Febrized her clothes. clothes? Yeah. Right, okay. Just honestly, that they're her words. And she decided to take the scenic route. Once far enough away, Amanda decided to contact a crime... Is she a writer or a blogger? Let's go with blogger. So she decides to get in touch with this crime blogger and she sends her this picture and she asks her to do a feature on a blog. And uh, as far as I can find, the woman has never actually been publicly named. Um, but she did do an interview and she said, when I saw that selfie, the smirk on her face, it just made me sick to my stomach. She looked so proud of what she'd done. I just couldn't believe it. Now, obviously, this woman refused to post on this uh, blog, this picture, and she actually ranked police. So she sort of stayed in touch with Amanda and any info she got off her, she obviously passed back to the police. In the meantime, Amanda decided to go back on social media and she posted a picture with a silver gun on her knee and she captioned it all right it's about that time i'm going to find my husband in hell and finally be at peace i love you mum and my beautiful crazies i know you will give them the life i just couldn't have after everything i will always love you and them monsters i can't apologize because i am finally going to be free she then went on again and posted I proudly did this for Rex. I love my children, but Charlie killed my husband. So Amanda and Sean stayed at this like budget motel in Tennessee and they planned to start the spree next day once they'd been and stocked up on some ammo. 
But this is where Sean got cold feet. He tried to talk her out of it, saying that they should just go out and run to Mexico together instead. But this proper pissed Amanda off. She later said that she was really angry because she was just really excited with everything and Sean was trying to bring her down. Next morning, Amanda got up and got ready and for some stupid reason, Sean decided to just carry on with plan, even though he tried to talk her out of it night before. Um, they'd got to this like rest stop in Blue Ridge Parkway where Amanda spotted two young girls and she basically said that there were two potential victims. So she got out of the car and she started talking to him. She found out that they were travelling around um, for spring break. So she walked back up to the car and she basically said to Sean, I want you to go kill him. I need you to prove that you're loyal to me. But Sean said no. He refused. He wasn't going to disappoint his mum anymore, apparently. So Amanda pissed off, got back in the car and they started driving. Sean had fallen asleep in passenger seat, so to wake him up, Amanda decided to open window and shoot at a jogger that was just casually running by. Luckily, she missed. Could she have just not said... <laughs> Dickhead, wake up. Wake up, mate. No, she decided to shoot at a poor jogger. Um, she completely missed him, but Sean didn't flinch, so that's when she realised that he wasn't asleep. He'd actually taken all the drugs that she had with her, this proper tipped her over edge and she pulled up, grabbed the gun, pulled him out of the car and basically said to him, I want you to know before you die, I used you for the guns and the car. I hope you have a painful death. She then pulled trigger and shot him directly in the face. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck about him. And then she took a picture. Selfie. There are rumours that this also ended up on social media, but I can't find anything that confirms it. But it wouldn't surprise me because she had no problems posting before. Yeah. So Amanda did later say that she took the picture because it apparently was easier to look at than actually look at him. But I think that's bullshit. She just fucking stabbed someone 30 odd times. I don't think she's going to have a problem looking at somebody that she's just shot. She actually didn't mean to shoot him in the face. She actually threatened to shoot him in the throat because she wanted to silence him so he could never lie to her again. But obviously, she wasn't wasn't prepared. She didn't know how to use a gun very well, Philip. She then jumps back in the car and drives off. This obviously was the whole downfall because she didn't intend to leave Sean there. She didn't intend to kill him. But that then left a trail. So at about seven o'clock, a passerby obviously saw him and called the police, who quickly were able to tell that it was Sean. He were obviously wanted for murder in in Montgomery. Um, Because obviously this had started out as a statewide manhunt, but it soon became a nationwide. The FBI were involved, and I think every man and his dog were just waiting to drop on him. So shortly after leaving his body there, she were arrested in North Carolina. Remarkably, Sean made a full recovery. She didn't actually kill him. And knowing that he were gonna be facing life in prison, he pled guilty. And said, fuck this bitch, bitch I'll tell I'm you everything. Out. Yeah. He received a 60 year sentence, which was suspended 
suspended after 41. He apologised to the family and, quote, the thing I guess I can't emphasise enough about... The thing I guess I can't emphasise enough is the remorse I have for this. The girl I feel every day for doing what I did will stay with me for life. Now, Amanda showed absolutely zero remorse at all. She even smiles in her mugshots. When you see her pictures, she just looks like a smug little bitch. Mm. You want to fucking slap Punch her face. Punch in the face. Yeah. She was laughing and giggling in interviews with police. She said, I was very happy to finally get all that bent, built up A and anger and all them feelings out. She initially asked for the death penalty, saying, well, I've killed, so you should just kill me. But she then changed her mind completely and decided to plead not guilty. Which is <laughs> strange, because didn't she want to go to heaven with Rex? Right. The reason I think she's done this, and this is from me watching the interviews of her and listening to her, I truly believe she decided to do that, knowing that that would mean a trial. Knowing that that would mean she could have five minutes of fame. Yeah, and get her face about. And she wanted to be known as that person, didn't she? And actually, at court, it did end up turning into like this massive Amanda show. She spent the entire time just causing chaos, screaming out, telling security they're always in a fucking way, just laughing out when in, when the red Charlie's injuries out. She was just a knob. At a trial, her defence basically opened up saying, admittedly, yes, Amanda killed Charlie, but she truly did believe she had the justification to do so because love is such a strong motivator. And I kind of get that. Because I do think love is a strong motive. I'm not saying you it's can't fucking really right. Use that as a fucking you can't exactly no. You can't go into a fucking jury no. and say sorry, sorry. I, I, I just loved him too much. Yeah. It don't wash, does it? So in November 2015, the jury took half an hour to convict her of first degree murder, and she was given life in prison. She responded by saying that she had no remorse whatsoever. Fucking ever. So, from the Virginia State Prison, Amanda did an interview with Crime Watch Daily where they were talking about the selfie and she just said that she was really, really excited. I was like, hey, I'm going to take a picture and post it and show everybody. It just really made me happy. So, she still says that she would definitely have carried out that plan to go on this massive spree if it weren't for Sean and completely ruining her plans. After a while in prison, she realised that she didn't get this massive Amanda Taylor show that she wanted and this fame. So she decided that she needed to bring a bit of attention back to herself, which, again, she's admitted all this in interviews. I'm laughing and I shouldn't because it's fucking nuts. She's nuts. So she decided that she needed some more attention and she decided to contact Isis from prison to build a relationship and obviously knowing... Did she write on the Facebook page? (laughs) Knowing your mail's checked, right? Obviously they ended up getting um, Homeland Security in and she was ragged out of a cell at four o'clock in the morning and she just suddenly laughed at him and said, I've got no intention of joining him. You've done what I wanted you to do. 
And I just find it so fucking casual that she thinks this is normal. The whole, the, the, the whole time I've been sat here, it's kind of like, is she really, really mentally ill? Or is she really, really evil? I don't know. I really don't know. It's fucking mad, isn't it? Yeah. She did try to appeal a sentence a few times, but it was refused. Even after all this, she's still got a serial killer obsession and she's got a shrine in a cell to Charles Manson. Oh, fuck off. She has actually since been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, but she actually refuses to take any medication and she says, quote, it isn't me that's crazy, it's other people. They can't stand the fact that I'm a good person with a big heart. Yeah, you are. Such a lovely person. So that's the Amanda Taylor, the selfie killer. Well. I actually like the fact that she ended that by saying that I'm a nice person with a good heart. She's a cunt. <laughs> anyway. What you got for me? My cunt this episode. Sorry, that's too many C-bombs. Is uh, Javed Iqbal. And he is dubbed the Pakistani serial killer. So Javed Iqbal was born in Lahore, Pakistan. Lahore is quite a wealthy city. It's the second largest city in Pakistan. And through 1999, the city of Lahore had multiple disappearances. Dozens of the country's 1.5 million street kids. A lot had not even been noticed missing. You had orphans, you had runaways. And the story starts off in November 1999, where... The killer sends a full confession to the local police station. He gives his full name, full list of crimes and address. Allegedly, the copper who gets his confession reads through it and chucks it in the bin. He thinks it's someone Fuck just off. fucking about. Now, not only did this person send it to the police station, he also sent it to the Daily Jean newspaper with a statement saying, quote, I have killed 100 beggar children and put their bodies in a container. Unquote. So, this journalist decides to check out this address. Yeah, I'd like to think somebody would. In Ravi Road, Lahore. Now, Javad Iqbal was the sixth child of eight. He had a wealthy family. His father actually bought two villas for him. They were very spoiled. His father bankrolled his businesses and Javed Iqbal used to employ young lads, teenage strays, to live with him in these villas. Of course he did. Very much like Dean Coral and John Wayne Gacy. Javed Iqbal used to call these gang of young lads and strays that he used to live with his boys. Creepy as fuck. And he could often be seen driving around car in a posh car with a group of boys. And if anyone dared to ask Javad Iqbal, he'd kick off, tell them to stay away and that these boys were just his servants. As time went on, he were renowned, kind of renowned for this, even though it were a bit weird, but nobody really... No one had questioned it. And it were kind of ignored. Mm, a bit like Prince Andrew. Now, throughout <laughs> the 80s, Javad Iqbal would have young pen pals 
that he found through children's magazines. He also set up a video arcade in the local town. Just luring them in. To lure young boys in, obviously bankrolled by Daddy. When people did fetch up anything, his dad's reputation came into play in his dad's name and it'd get swept under carpet. In 1992, he was charged with sodomy. In this time, his dad had passed away and Javed Iqbal alleges that he was beaten to a pulp and was threatened to, ki- to be killed. That's why he admitted it. Right. The police brutality, obviously, and his mother tried to do what his dad had done to try and get him out, but obviously there's no father, there's no reputation. His mum tried to throw money at it, and it didn't work. And he was sentenced to a public thrashing. I don't know if that happened, but he spent six months in prison, and apparently he had a shit time in prison. Unlucky. Javed Iqbal's mother died while he was in jail. So Javed blamed the state for driving his mother to an early death. Fuck off. No to do with you, mate. We fast forward to September 98. Javed and one of his boys got into a fight with a masseuse and an employee. And Javed ends up getting beaten up and robbed. So he reports this to the police and he tells them what's happened. So the police basically say to him, oh, you've been having sex with a young boy while this has happened. There's another sodomy charge. (laughs) So they're slapping with a fresh sodomy charge. He's been left in hospital for three weeks after this, and he's got a bill to pay. He finds out that his family have sold his assets to pay his medical bills. So the two villas have gone, and he is now at Ravi Road, Lahore, a three-bedroom flat. So one year after he's been beaten up, is when the journalists turn up to his house. In his confessions, he says that his killing spree started a few months after getting out of his hospital. Him and his boys would prowl around to lure these young boys in. Letters saying that him and his acquaintances would sexually assault children, strangle them with a metal chain, put masks on their face, get them to inhale acid and cyanide. Then they would dismember the bodies put them in a vat of hydrochloric acid and dispose of whatever was left down the sewer grate in the local river. Wow. Now, Javed Iqbal was saying that this were all to get back at the police to show that the justice system was all a load of shit. But you ended up in jail for you did that. He wanted to have a hundred women cry because his mother had been made to cry. And claimed that in his six months of vengeance, he had killed 100 children, 16 years and under. So when these journalists go into this flat, he's put on a full spectacle. He's put pictures out on display of these children. He's got placards on the wall. He's got clothing kept. An archive of these 100 lives is taken, described in detail. So here you've got ready-made evidence... Thank you, Javed. Cheers, mate. You've done his job for us. Like I said, he claimed it was to show the police system and the injustice in society. Javed also had two plastic barrels in his bedroom where skeletons remain from the last two victims. Just casually in his bedroom? Yes. Not only that, the parents of some of these children were invited to pick through these photos and clothing. Shut up. 
And this were in 1999? Yeah. Somehow, Javed gets to be on run. I don't think the police must have got there in time. Something happened and he's been on, a, on the run for a month. So a full month later, two teenagers get arrested in a post office for trying to catch a traveller's check. And they are acquaintances of Javed. Mohammed Shazad and Mohammed Nadine, 13 and 15. Then, December 30th, 1999, Javad Iqbal walks into the jail, Daily Jang newspaper to end himself in and quotes, I am Javad Iqbal, killer of a hundred children. I hate this world. I am not ashamed of my actions and I am ready to die. I have no regrets. I killed a hundred uh, children. I could have killed 500. Fuck off, man. <clears throat> so after his capture, the newspaper have this 32-page journal with the images of the kids. They'd also videotaped an uh, interview with Javed about the crimes, the images of victims. The police wasted no time bringing this to trial. And five weeks after, he stood trial in front of Judge Allah Buksh Ranja. He admitted to killing. He had no remorse. Talked about police conspiracy. It was called. And eventually the founding guilty of 100 counts of murder. Now March 16th, judge sentencing. Quote, the sentence is that he should be strangled 100 times. Then he should have his body cut into 100 pieces. And then, then pieces should be put in acid like he did his victims. The judge said that? Yes. Okay. I like that judge. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be a full public recreation in the park of Lahore, where the crowds... No, 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 stop, stop, stop. They genuinely were going to do that? Yes. Fuck off. The crowds had, had uh, congregated... That... No, stop! Let me just finish. The victim's parents would also be at this full public recreation. The exact same chain events that Javed Iqbal had done to his victims. Now you can... Now you can put in... Go on. What the fuck? That was going to... That was allowed to happen. I genuinely thought that the judge had said that in some sort of, like, sick humour of that is exactly what you deserve because that's what your victims went through. Not, not, that's how we're actually going to punish him. I think Judge Allah Buck's rancher was very serious about this sentence. Wow. So, naturally, Javad's defence team appealed... And Javed come up with this bullshit that it was all a joke, it were all to show how shit police are, blah, 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 blah. Other parts of the government step in and the execution is overturned. Okay. They condemn him to death row alongside his 17-year-old friend, Saheed Ahmed. And they were supposed to be hung behind doors at the Cot Lakpat jail. The two boys with a check, they got found, uh, what's the word, involved in these killings. One of them were sentenced to 182 years and one of them was sentenced to 63 years. So, you've got your two lads in jail, yep. your 17-year-old and Javed Iqbal. 18 months later, we're October 8th, 2001, and a prison officer is on his shift and he falls asleep. 
Then he wakes up, goes to check Javed, Iqbal and Saeed Ahmed's cells and they've hung themselves. From the bars on the window, something round the net, probably yeah. the quilt, whatever. And what this prison officer decides to do, because he thinks, fucking hell, I'm going to get in trouble, he takes them down and he puts them in bed. Fuck off. He tucks them in. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Oh, my <laughs> God, mate. Just own your shit. You fucked up. It's said that, allegedly, the some foul play might have been involved. Uh, they had countless head wounds which were inflicted with a blunt weapon. So it's very uh, Jeffrey epstein Yeah. And both deaths, mm. both deaths were ruled a suicide. Of course they were. And that's about, that's about it for Jared Iqbal, but it's just... A that's nuts, a fucking mad case. That's just a nuts case, isn't it? That a judge I can't, a judge believe, I can't believe the judge would say that. Yeah. You that, strangled 100 children. I fully, I fully agree with it. I fully fucking agree with it, but as a judge, you've got a professional standard to withhold, and I'm pretty sure that them sort of comments are not... Let's just say, wait till you hear about me, judge, on my next case. But anyway... Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, that's the case of Jabba Dickball is really infamous, is that the word? For being that's a piece of shit. That's nuts. So, I hope you enjoyed that case. Yep, I hope... Any requests, send them in. Oh, do you know, it's been... Re- I know it, we say it all the time, but it's been lovely. We've had some really nice messages from... Um, some really nice people asking where we are are we okay um i hope everybody has a lovely week and we will be back on time give us a like on social media terrifying and twisted and on usual social media platforms. on usual platforms we're going to be putting a bit of a teaser out for season two and i'm going to update us tiktok as well right so when this goes out we'll see you in two See you soon. See ya.